So uh, last week I talked a little bit about vision um, for second place. Let me give you like two minutes on vision um, this week as well. We were in our staff meetings this week and we started having a conversation and it dawned on us, Sarah and I started reminiscing a little bit about the beginning of the church. Started. Now, second place started with f- four of us around a dining room table, grew to 12, and then grew to like 30, 50, and then on. But there was conversations around the dining room table, and I just want to bring you in on that because I think it helps you when you wonder, like, why am I sitting in the dark? Why am I sitting on a hard chair? Why am I in a warehouse? Why, why are we starting a child care? Why? Why is there a provision lab? Why do we sell coffee? Why, why is this happening? And this is what we did. Let me just ask you a question before I give you the answer. Um, how many of you invest? You invest, okay, good. So you invest in 401k, whatever you know, your, your method of choice is. Cool. Now what if I told you that I have a, a beautiful investment for you. This investment is going to be something that you can pour everything you have into it and at the, after 18 years, you will lose 75% of what you invest. How many of you would sign up like on the data line today for that investment? Yeah, wrong, Jordan. Yeah, right? Well, let me tell you what those conversations around the dining room table were like. We were understanding some of the statistics about church. And the one statistic that really stood out to us and still does today, and the stat hasn't changed very much at all, is this. When you look at kids who grow up in church and then go to youth group and then graduate and go on to college, 75% of those high school students walk away from their faith when they leave for college. So now do the math. That means that all of the curriculum that we buy for the kids, all of the games and activities and illustrations and everything that we do for the kids, all of the money that we have seen youth ministries pour into youth ministry, the lights, the, the videos, the awesome games, the retreats, the campouts, all that stuff, what you get, your return on investment is 25% of what you've invested. It's not great. Are you okay with three out of four students walking away from their faith when they go to college? Does that get you upset? It should, right? So what we said is, is the way that we've been doing church isn't working. It's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? So I'm bringing you in on that conversation around the dining room table. And we said, it's not working, so what are we going to do? How about this? Let's not keep doing the same thing. Anybody down? So what we, the phrase that kind of came across us in that dining room conversation was that we need to do church differently. We need to change the way we fundamentally think about church, and we have to find ways and means and invent ideas about how we can reach the next generation and see 75% stick with their faith when they graduate, or more, 100%. That's what we have had our hearts, and so that kind of like flows into everything that we do. We just, we ask that question, like, 
what in the world? Why did we do it that way? And does it work anymore? Does it, do we need to change it up? So that's kind of like a really important idea um, for us to understand because as you give, as you support, as you volunteer, what you got to remember is whatever church experience you've had, like that I've had in here, I've had to undo it. And it takes a long time to undo that because I want to get to what God is doing today and in the future and get after that. Are you guys good with that? God is doing a new thing, and I'm excited about it. We, um, we've had a lot of work happening. We've had um, just kind of getting into the, the final stages of the childcare opening up, and we're excited about all that stuff. We're excited about the concert this coming Saturday. All of this is growth. All of this is happening because we're trying to figure out ways and means. Love Moni, trying to figure out ways to reach into the community with Jesus and somehow change the game a little bit. So um, I want to relay to you a couple of things. Um, We talked about rest last week. How many guys are here? How'd that go? Oh, yeah, you guys rested. Okay, awesome. All right, well, then I'll skip this message. Um, We're going to talk about rest again today because here's the reason why. Um, The Israelites were in bondage for 400 plus years, and when they um, came out of their uh, slavery in Egypt, they were told, don't work every day of the week, don't labor that way, but take a day off. And so we, we know that if we're the Israelites of today, that we have been indoctrinated and we have lived and breathed the idea of working all the time, and so it's going to take more than one message for us to change our approach. Would you guys agree? It's going to take a little bit more. So um, a couple of things. Once again, we have the altars open all service long. You can come up and you can freely give your phone on this table for this area over here and this table for this area over here. If you would like to say, I am going to check out of the world outside, and I just want to focus. No guilt. There's one. We got a taker. Good deal. Up. Oh, we got a whole iPad coming up. That's good. That's all right. Now, we do this every single week at our student group. We don't take their phones away, but we take a phone offering, and they're allowed to give their phones um, and basically tune out the world for a little bit. The thing about rest and the thing about doing this, and by the way, you know, corny joke from last week in case you weren't here, if you're on call for work, all right, which this, let me tell you how to do it. You give your phone to somebody else and they turn your phone off and then you put it up here, all right? Then when at the end of the service, when you get the phone back and your work had been calling you and freaking out, you just tell them that somebody turned your phone off, all right? Not a lie. It's just sticking it to the man, all right? That's all we're doing. So rest is a big deal. So phones, man, we got a few takers. It's good. But some of you are going to, something's going to hit your heart, and you'll be like, you know what? Why do I need my phone on me right now? Like, why do I need my phone on me right now? It's almost dead anyway, so who cares? All right, next thing we're going to do to kind of get us into the mode of resting, all right? Some of you uh, may, maybe have heard this before, um, but it's something called square breathing. Anybody ever hear of it? I don't know if I'm going to do it right, Emily, but you can correct me later on and tell me how wrong I am. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to inhale for four seconds. We're going to go kind of like make a square with it. We're going to inhale for four seconds, and we're going to hold it for four seconds. Then we're going to exhale for four seconds, 
and then we're going to hold it for four seconds. Are you guys down? It's 16 seconds of complete, just uncomfortable awkwardness. All right? Are you guys good with this? All right, so I am going to watch you to see if you actually do what we're doing. This is what we call an all play. All right, so everyone can do it. Here we go. I will tell you when to inhale. Ready? Uh, three, two, one. Inhale. One, two, three, four. Exhale. One, two, three, four. Oh, hold it. Stop. We got to start over. We got to start over. Thank you, Jesus, for whoever stopped us. Good night. Can I get my act together, Tina? All right. Are you guys ready? That was practice. Are you guys ready for this again? Ask me if I'm ready. Absolutely not. All right. Here we go. Ready? Go. One, two, three, four. Hold it. One, two, three, four. Exhale. One, two, three, four. Hold it. One, two, three, four. Not as fun and relaxing when dork up here is counting, but that's okay. You see, um, resting is something that we don't want to do. We, Sarah and I went out to uh, lunch a few months ago, and uh, I won't tell you where we went, but I like this place. It's really good. And when we got there, Sarah did her thing where she said, um, hey, do you want to split something? I was like, oh my goodness. Like this, is, like, this place has beef sandwiches. This place has burgers. This has, like, chicken sandwiches. It was amazing. What's that? Just shush, all right? Could have been Portillo's, Lee. So she says, well, do you want to split? And I know this whole deal, all right? Because Sarah, she has, her eyes are always bigger than her stomach. So she's going to order something, and she's going to have two bites, and she'll leave the rest. So I'm like, sure, let's go ahead and split. Now, it's always a little rough because I'm wanting to do, like, the cheapo thing and, like, save a little, like, money and have a cheap date. But at the same time, I'm kind of wondering in the back of my head, is she super hungry today because I might not have enough, you know? So we get to the counter, and we're standing there, and um, we kind of are in line, and we're waiting, and we're kind of talking about what we're going to get, because we're splitsies, right? So we're like, okay. So she's like, we got to get the beef sandwich. I'm like, yeah, you know what? We got to get, get the beef sandwich. I mean, that's what, that's what we're doing. That is what needs to happen. I made the mistake of actually noticing the menu, and on the menu was this amazing chicken sandwich, grilled chicken sandwich, provolone cheese, some avocado, and some bacon. And you know that that's plus $5 because the avocado and bacon are so expensive. Like maybe a quarter like for that stuff, but okay. So it's an expensive chicken sandwich and I'm, I'm looking at it and I kind of do the thing where I'm like, hey, what do you think about that? And she's like, ooh, that looks really good. Let's get the beef sandwich. I'm like, all right. So we get up, we get up to the counter, and the guy, I, I'm just, get, I'm going to ruin this for, I don't know, the guy's name that took our order, let's say, it was like Enrique, all right, that was, I think, not Enrique Suave, but just let's say it's Enrique. And I get up there, and stupidly, I say, hey, we're kind of trying to figure out what's going on, 
tell me how good is that chicken sandwich? And he's like, Enrique's like, let me tell you, the chicken sandwich is off the chain. It is amazing. You will not be mad if you order that. And I'm like, that's what I thought because of the description. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to get the beef sandwich. And he's like, what? And I, I said, we're splitsies thing, and so we're going to get the beef sandwich. And he's like, wait a second. Are you sure that you don't want this chicken sandwich? Because it's really good. And I'm thinking to myself, there's bacon, there's avocado, there's provolone, grilled chicken, the bread, everything is in my brain. And I say, no, you know what? We're going to get the beef sandwich. Now, this is, I'm not dragging this out very much, right? I'm not. I, I promise you that this conversation lasted at least five minutes. So as, as I'm talking about, he says, are you for sure? And then he says, and Sarah corrected me last night, he said, you need to get the beef sandwich because you need to make sure that she gets what she wants. And I'm like, thank you. So he says, but do you want the chicken sandwich? And I said, I said, here's what I said. I said, no, Enrique. We're on a first name basis by this 10 minutes, all right? I'm like, no, Enrique, I don't want the chicken sandwich. And the people behind us are like, really, dude? I just want the beef sandwich splitsies. In my heart of hearts, I was like, yes, dear God, I want the chicken sandwich. I want it so bad. I do. But Enrique, no chicken sandwich for me. Beef sandwich, but make it the big one, and let's just split that. Okay. Everybody now needs to stand up and say hello to your neighbor and ask them, would you have ordered the chicken sandwich, all right? So I, as I'm just crying out in my heart of hearts for this chicken sandwich, we order the beef sandwich, and with the couple we're with, you know, I kind of walk over, you know, all dejected after this very excruciating conversation with Enrique. And then we sit down at the, the table that we pick out and we're sitting there and, you know, it's like put the number on the thing, you know, and you're like, okay. As I'm, you know, daydreaming about the chicken sandwich, some, you know, young lad comes with our order, and there we have the beef sandwich, nicely sliced perfectly in half, which doesn't work because she's not going to eat as much as me, but okay, fine. <laughs> and as we're sitting there, about two minutes later, a plate comes over my right shoulder, and it's Enrique. And on it is the chicken sandwich. And I was like, Jesus, you're alive. 
It was so amazing. I had the chicken sandwich. I didn't order it. I didn't pay for it. And Enrique said, this boy needs this chicken sandwich. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, you think that I'm like exaggerating the conversation, but what would make him get the chicken sandwich, make it, and come back and give it to me for free? Because he saw the pain. He saw the pain. I was hungry, and it's not good. So, Let's connect the seemingly unconnected. <laughs> what? Everyone here that's a first-timer, they're like, this church is whack. Like, do things differently, yeah. So let's unpack that a little bit. Got to the restaurant, saw something I wanted, couldn't really commit. Had a lot going on. Had a lot of people that I had, I had a person, that I was trying to do life with, that I really needed to make sure that I did life with well. So going against my inner desires, what I ended up doing is I ended up declining the thing that I really wanted. And after reluctantly staying in the restaurant, which is key, because if this was a drive-through situation, I would have never got the chicken sandwich. But because I hung out in the restaurant and I sat down and I waited, I was given something that I really, really wanted but didn't know that I could have. And it really made my day. Isn't that a lot like God? When we say we really want to rest, but I can't. I've got this person here that splitsies. I can't make that choice right now. I mean, I see it, and I want it. I read it. I, I see what the promises of it. I see the menu and the picture and everything, but I just can't do it. I can't rest. If there's a big idea today, I'm going to give it to you real quick and up front. Even when we say no, or even when we go reluctantly into rest, God still has good gifts. Even though we go reluctantly, God has good gifts. The couple that we were with um, run a, a restaurant, and they watched this whole situation happen. And when that chicken sandwich was thrown in front of me, and my face lit up, and I finally had been reunited with my dream, they saw how exhilarated I was, and immediately the husband said, there it is. I'm like, what? The chicken? No. He's like, customer delight. I'm like, what's that? He's like, this is what we train all of our people to do. What we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out how do we create customer delight, and Enrique nailed it. He got you, man. Like, you will always come back to this place and remember that story because of the delight that you felt when you received that. 
He's like, it's a $10 chicken sandwich that's going to pay back a hundred times. And in the same way, when God gives you something that you really, really need, the whole point of him doing that is because he wants to see the delight on your face, receiving the thing you didn't think you could have, but he gives to you anyway. We're going to look at a few passages from Scripture. Oh, yes, the Bible. We do talk about it here. Um, if you're turning, you're going to go to Matthew um, 11. We're also going to jump to Psalm 23. And we're going to be briefly in Hebrews 4. I would say to you that Matthew 11 is where we're going to hang most. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you do have good gifts for us. You have so much for us that we don't think we deserve. We don't think we can afford. We don't think that we have the ability to obtain. But you have good gifts for us. And the place that we find those good gifts is when we rest. It's when we pause. It's when we say no to something. And we're able to experience your presence bringing in the amazing gifts that you have for us. So Lord, today as we look at your word, we pray, God, that you would teach us because we are absolutely, totally in the dark when it comes to this and you have a perfect view of it. And so Lord, we ask that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit about how we can break the, the long years of not resting and be able to truly enter into your rest. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus, this is a classic um, quote from Jesus from Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says this, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So we're weary, we're burdened. The people he's talking to, the Pharisees have laid on top of them all kinds of commandments, all kinds of law, and they are all under that feeling that weight. And how are they supposed to live? How are they supposed to be able to function? And Jesus is saying, in that context, he's saying, I will give you rest. I will give it to you. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to even order it off the menu. I am going to give it to you if you stay in the house, if you stay near me. Next slide. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So, the yoke, think of this as um, a, a teaching, a learning. When he's talking about learning, this is kind of the coupling that's there where it's, he's saying, learn from me because I am going to, if you yoke yourself to me, I am going to teach you. This is about discipleship. This is about growing in your faith. This is about looking to Jesus as the one who gives rest, the Lord of the Sabbath, the one that gives us rest to be the one that teaches us. We just prayed it two seconds ago. Lord, teach us. And in the meantime, while this passage doesn't change, and we've all heard it before, what do we do? We take on different yokes. And we learn from different places. A lot of times, we learn and we teach ourselves with what we're saying to ourselves inside our head. Or what someone else is saying. And so our goal, our, our focus that's why all the songs, that's why we're here every week is to remind ourselves that we're to be yoked to Jesus, that we are to be learning from him. And we learn from him when we're resting. Next slide. 
For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He's making a comparison between those who are weary and burdened and weighed down to this idea that his yoke being easy and his burden being light. I think about the, uh, the baptisms just a couple weeks ago and how those, the, the delight that was on the faces of those that were baptized and the fact that they moved from living and breathing sin and just the, the, the unredeemed person that they were and they found Jesus, and through baptism, they were symbolizing what God was doing in their life. And that this was going to be a light burden. This is going to be something where now, instead of leaning towards the wrong, we lean toward the right. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It means that we lean in that direction. And we're led by the Spirit. And we're able to see that happen. And so, you think about this. You think about how is it that... How burdened by worry or work or sin are you? Um, real quick, we don't have a slide for this guy, but if you want to pop over to, to Mark 6, um, Mark 6 and uh, verse 31, um, it basically says Jesus was talking to the disciples and he said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Like, that's so good, right? Come away with me by yourselves to a solitary place and get some rest. Now, if you guys follow that, that story, there was like 5,000 people that ended up following them, but that's okay, you know? They ended up meeting them and he fed all of them. It was crazy. But Jesus' call to us is to come away to a solitary place and get some rest. This is kind of the MO. I feel like what's happening is like he wants us to stay near him long enough for him to deliver the things and the good gifts that he has to deliver to us. Um, turn now to Psalm 23. And Nathan, we'll, we'll kind of go from slide to slide to slide on this as I read it, Okay. And I just want you to hear Psalm 23, and I want you to kind of just ask yourself what stands out to you as I read through this psalm. Y'all heard it, but I want you to hear it new today with new ears. So, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23. What stands out to you when that, those slides just went through, kind of verse by, by verse? Like literally you can shout something at me. No worries. 
I lack nothing. How many of you wake up in the morning and just go, God, I lack nothing. I have enough time. I have enough money. I have enough relationship. I have enough love to go around. I lack nothing. Right. Me neither. What else stood out to you when you saw those slides go by? I fear no evil. It's a great one. Peace. Peace. Still waters. Yeah. What's that? Comfort in the valley. valley. Absolutely. What stands out to me of all those things, but it's also kind of the definitive way that it's written, right? That, um, go back to the first slide and just scroll through a couple of them. Where he's just basically like, um, you're going back, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Like it's definitive. Next slide. He makes me lie down. <laughs> I mean, he leads me. He refreshes. It's not like he might lead me. I hope he refreshes me. He refreshes me. He leads me. Next slide. He guides me. Sometimes he guides me. Sometimes he leaves me hanging. doesn't say that. Sometimes he leads me on wrong paths. No, he leads me on the right paths because he has a purpose in mind for him. Next slide. Here, I will fear, I will not fear evil. This is like a definitive statement. For you are with me. You comfort me. These are the things that are definitive. I think, we're, I think we're good. We get it, right? It's a definitive statement. And I believe that the psalmist gets there by being close to Jesus, by being close to God. I mean, I don't think that they were going crazy and it was like, I think that they had to be in a, a, a quiet, solitary spot to get to that. To know that there is something that grounds us when it comes to life and it's found in rest. Even though we go reluctantly, God still has good gifts when we rest. Um, last week, there was a lot that we talked about with rest. We talked about the fact that you know, we are awakened to the blessings in our life when we rest. It enables us to get to know ourselves better, which we don't always love. Um, we can see oppression. We can uh, evaluate our walk and our talk. We talked about how resting refreshes our physical bodies and it, and it helps us expand our mental capacities and increases our spiritual awareness and our hunger for God. It really, I believe, when we rest, and we'll talk more about this next week, but we often think that we're supposed to be recharging on the Sabbath and that the Sabbath is for the other six days so we can go and we can go strong and we can go far. But there was a Jewish scholar that said it's actually the reverse. The six days of work are actually for the Sabbath. And what he means by that is that in order for you to rest, you're going to need to get the laundry done the other six days. Before you go into rest, you've got to prep. You've got to be ready. You've got you to know that that's coming. Because when the housework is whispering in your ear, when there's undone things, and so what we do is we work hard those six days so that we're able to rest without anything and we're able to recharge, yes, 
but those six days serve the Sabbath. I think that that's a really interesting take for us as people. But there's a few other things I wanted to highlight that I think um, for us, and I, I'll apologize. If you guys haven't been here a while, here's, here's what I've realized that I do, and if I could just have a transparent moment. I constantly come back to pointing my, myself at things that I don't normally like to look at. Because I said this last week, I'm the worst person to talk about rest. Like, just ask Sarah, like, yeah, he needs to practice what he preaches. Like, I'm, I'm trying, okay? But I often try to help us look at things we don't want to look at or we don't look at normally. And this is one of those things. That when we rest, we move away from doing so much to feeling more. Now, feelings aren't information, Right? They're just information. They're not instructions. But feelings and emotions are important for us to understand. And I think that especially guys in the room, like, Joe, come on, man. I'm not going to feel nothing. Don't talk to me about my feelings. Yeah, well, guess what? You've been, like, discipled by culture to basically ignore something that's very crucial to who you are and why you're making some of the decisions you're making, why you feel the way you feel, why you're frustrated, why you're excited. All those things are related many times to your emotions that are unidentified. The other thing is that you can slow down enough to actually ask yourself, why am I so ticked off? Why am I so upset about everything? Why, why is it that um, I feel so offended by that person? And you're able to also ask, where have I created an offense? And why did I do that? What's underneath that action? And then the other thing that we kind of are able to uncover in rest, are we okay? This is good stuff. When, when you are able to rest, you're able to identify the pain that you have and why it's there. Um, some of you psychologists in the room or maybe know this term, but have you ever been in a conversation where somebody says something to you and then you flip out? Like it could be very, very like chill comment, but something that they said hit a nerve. Anybody ever been there? And like you might be lashed out or said something you didn't mean to say or like lost it a little bit because it brought something up that maybe somebody else was digging on, and you, it just hits the nerve, right? And they call that chandelier pain because when that happens, like, people jump and grab chandeliers, you know? It's like, ah! And everyone's like, relax, bro. Like, I didn't mean to make you crazy. But when we rest, we're able to actually identify the pain that we're feeling and why we're feeling it. And we can process that. We can figure out, okay, what is it that's behind that? What's underneath that? So this idea, okay, um, that God has good gifts, even though we go reluctantly, because I'm guessing that probably 99% of us in the room are going reluctantly into rest, because that's just not our MO. But he still has good gifts for you. He has a burden that is light. He has a yoke that is easy. He has peace. He has clarity. He has presence. He has love that you are able to experience. All those good things he delivers, even though you didn't order it, but you sat in the restaurant. Um, for those of you that are like, Sabbath is an Old Testament thing, Hebrews 4.9. Hebrews 4.9. And we're going to unpack Hebrews 4 a little bit more next week. 
But basically what the author of Hebrews is doing right now is he's comparing and talking about Moses and Joshua and basically how the, the, the nation of Israel was moving towards rest as they moved towards the promised land. And the whole promised land was about resting, about being able to be in God's rest. And that there were a lot of people, and we'll talk more about this, a lot of people that didn't enter that rest because they disobeyed and they didn't really want that rest and they wanted to do it their own way. And they never entered that rest. But Hebrews 4.9, all of that said, basically comes back around and says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And there's two ways to look at it. We'll look at it next week. But here's what I'm telling you right now, is that there is rest for you. There are good gifts for you, but you have to make the choice to step into that rest. Because even though, and even if you go reluctantly, God still has good gifts for you. The band can come up. I'm going to leave you with six things that you can do when you finally get to the table and are waiting for the chicken sandwich, all right? Um, this will be part of what you can do when you process what God's doing in your life. Six things. We'll step through them one at a time. And this will begin to help you identify what's happening. So here's the number one thing. Finish this statement. The story I'm making up is what? And you might stop right there. But the story that I'm making up right now is that that person is an idiot. <laughs> or that person doesn't have good intentions. Two, my emotions are fill in the blank. My, emo my emotions are up and down. My emotions are all over the board. My emotions are wrapped up in anger and bitterness. I don't know. Fill in the blank. Three, my body is what? My body is tired. Body is stressed. Four. My thinking right now is what? I'm thinking this is not a good situation for me to be in. I'm thinking this. Fill in the blank. Five. My beliefs right now. This gets a little more core, right? I'm believing this about myself, about this person, about this situation, about God. And six, my actions right now are what? What is it that you are doing? And for those of you that need them all together on one slide, because it's annoying for me to split them up, here they all are on one slide. The story I'm making up, my emotions are, my body is, my thinking right now is, my beliefs right now are, my actions right now are. And what you can do, if you choose, and even if you do this reluctantly, that in that, and you write that stuff down, it says that if you write stuff like this down just a few minutes a day, that you will actually lower the anxiety in your life because you're getting it down on paper. And it's not going to all make sense, and it's going to be a cruddy first draft, and it's going to be all that, but at least you're putting 
what, like shape to it, right? Isn't that what you said, Caleb? Shape to it. You're putting shape to it. And I think that that's so important. And if you rest, if you choose to do this, let me tell you what's going to happen. You will be a rare breed in this world. Because if you walk out there, no one is going to tell you to slow down. There's a few. But mostly, they're going to say, I want more. I want more. I need you more. We haven't shut off our phones. Work can invade our family life at 7 o'clock at night. But man, if your kids were to walk in at 10 o'clock in the morning to the office, work would have a fit. If family invades work, big problem. But work can invade family all the time. You will be a rare breed at your workplace. You will be a rare breed at your school. You will be a rare breed in your family. You will be a rare breed, but what you will get is you will start to get the good gifts that God has for you. And you, don't even, you can't even imagine what he has for you if you slow down enough to listen and to answer some questions and fill in some blanks. Are you guys good? Are we sufficiently beat up? I feel beat up <laughs> because I know I need to rest. I know I need that pause because it creates what we talked about last week, a life-giving rhythm. And ask yourself, is the rhythm that you're in right now giving you life or sucking it out of you? If this is, um, I mean, I have, don't take this wrong, but if this is the last time I ever speak to you, this is what I want you to hear me say, would you just rest? because then you will experience the God that you serve. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your rest that you give to us. And Lord, even when we go reluctantly, even when we don't think we can have it, even though our work says we can't, even though our family is more, Lord, you provide it for us. Lord, there is only one thing that's standing in between us and resting, and that is ourselves. And so, Lord, as we discover the wonder of rest, Lord, I pray that these songs would lead us into a commitment to you. Not a casual, yeah, I'm busy, I'm too busy but a desire and a commitment to say, I'm going to spend some time resting and listening to what you have to say to us. Lord, we thank you for that rest. We thank you for those good gifts. And Lord, as we sing, Lord, may your presence fill this place and may we sense, Lord God, the love and the peace and the invitation to redemption to redeem the situation that we're in, to redeem the, the relationship, to redeem the things, Lord God, in our life that we think are beyond hope. Lord, we pray that we would experience those good gifts as we sing. It is so easy for us to be on the treadmill and get so out of alignment with our focus, our priorities, I think ever since the sudden death of my mom at the end of April and the estate and everything leading up through love and action and all the responsibilities, I, 
I have found myself out of alignment, my heart out of alignment, driven, <laughs> full of emotion. And this past week, I've just had to really get off the treadmill for just a minute and just realign my heart. And God's taken me to Psalm 84, 5, and 6, and it's just really helping me refocus. And in that passage, he says, happy and at peace are those whose strength is in the Lord. You know when you start doing things in your own strength, in your own power, right? Acts of your own will. Things just get out of alignment because we really need his strength, don't we? Huh? We, we need his strength and to admit, God, I, oh, I've been doing so many things in my own power and my own strength and I feel it and I need to realign myself with you. I need to find my strength in you. And, and it says, finds their strength in God and who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. You know, when our hearts get set on the things of this world, oh my gosh, anxiety, worry, fret, right? <laughs> when we get our eyes and our hearts on the things that are temporal versus those things that are eternal, when we get our eyes off of God, our focus on God, right? But blessed, happy, and at peace are those that have set their hearts on pilgrimage on what's at the end, right? The destination. Having eyes on Him. And then it says, though we pass through the valley of weeping, Baca, weeping, challenges and difficulties that as we pass one good thing is that it says we're passing through we're not going to have to stay there right it's <laughs> there's a moment in time but that as we're in these difficulties or as we're in these struggles as we're in this this challenge of life the temporal it says blessed and happy are those who make a well, who dig down, dig down, make a well in the midst of the desert. And boy, I'll tell you, the, the, the importance of turning our heart toward him, getting our eyes off the demands and onto the man of God, the God who supplies grace, peace, rest and begin to just praise him just begin to praise him begin to praise him put our focus and our attention back on the one who will bring strength and stamina and wisdom and stability <laughs> right <laughs> and you're like how did i how did i get into this place right how did i get into this mess where i'm just so like stressed and i'm right it's because i I've tried to fix it myself, and I've tried to make it happen. God, forgive me. Lord, I, I look back to you. I turn to you. I
Father, even in this moment, Lord, we just, Lord, turn and, and, and to find rest in you, we have to, Lord, admit that we need your strength. We, we need your wisdom. Father, we, as we pass through the fire, as we pass through the struggle, as we pass through the emotion, Father, to turn our hearts toward you, the God of peace, the God of strength, the God of our refuge, our high tower. We, Lord, we praise you. Lord, Holy Spirit, I ask you to breathe, breathe on your people. Breathe on your people, grace, peace as we turn our hearts toward you, the beginning and the end, the middle. You're the everything. Lord, we praise you and worship you. We praise you and worship you. Father, thank you for bringing us here together this morning and for getting to live in community and to have a forced break. Um, we ask that we keep this rest attitude in our minds as we go out the rest of our day, whether or not we have to go do things or not. Um, we love you so much, and we're so thankful for this community of people that we've been placed in. Thank you for bringing us from far and wide together for a little bit of time. We love you, and it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.